Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome back. In today's video, I'm going to tell you and just recap a, a very recent, I would say close to an expert, probably an experts league mock draft that I did. Two quarterbacks, so don't worry, it's two quarterbacks, but there's a strategy that I really want to talk about. Not only my early round strategy uh, versus the field, and this is very, very interesting because it's a bunch of people who have similar strategies to me, and I'll go through that throughout the entire video, so make sure to stick around. But I'll talk about what to do in drafts, especially your, your real drafts, right? You can mock all you want, but what happens when things start not to go your way early on, right? Your strategy is is the strategy that a lot of other people are implementing. That's exactly what happened in this draft that I did. A bunch of people were implementing my strategy. I wanted two running backs early. We'll get into all of the specifics, but a way to take back that strategy in a way to control the draft. The draft starts going to really anybody, right? Nobody has control of it when everybody's using a similar strategy. How do you grab that draft? Just grab it right there and start taking it back to your command and you're commanding now the draft board and where you're going with it and what your opponents and competitors and league mates are going to have to do you're now orchestrating their next move so that you're playing chess and not checkers. So welcome if you're brand new here. My name is Sal Vecchi. I create fantasy sports related content in multiple different areas, but mainly the NFL. And we're making the videos every single day. So if you're enjoying this content, you've watched a video or two of mine, you stumbled back upon here, smash that big old subscribe button in the bottom right hand corner. Be sure to do that. There's free rookie rankings in the description down below. And also for the people that have signed up and are going to sign up, I'm going to be sending my free top 150 PPR rankings to those same exact people who have signed up for the rookie rankings. The draft guide is very, very soon going to be completed. So stick around for all those things. I'm excited for all that. But for right now, hit that subscribe button, smash that notification bell. It allows me to reach more people. So I thank you so much for doing that. Question of the day today, if you have already picked your first pick as a running back with your second pick, are you taking another running back or a wide receiver? Forget all these specifics, right? I don't want to hear it depends just for your goal. What is your next pick going to be a wide receiver, a top end wide receiver or a top end running back? Let me know down below. I know that it's going to be specific based on the draft itself, but just let me know in a general sense, which one that you're aiming to get. So let's start this video off by me exploring just sort of the early round strategy of myself versus the field. If you're new to my content, my strategy right now is to grab two running backs within my first three picks. And my real goal would be to get two running backs back to back. And honestly, I'm not opposed to taking three running backs in a row. You can see as the first round goes on, I'm here, Sal Vetri, my logo, easy to see me. Uh, this is a draft that I did uh, probably about a couple of days ago. Uh, John Daigle from Roto World was in there. Matt Jajewski was in there. We've seen him featured in a couple of my videos for screenshots and really good stats that he posts. I'll be doing a live draft through drafters. That's the site that we're doing right now, a PPR format. Two quarterback league was this one. Uh, and I'll be doing a live draft with Matt later in the week this week on his channel and over on his Twitch. So be sure to check that one out. But a couple other people in here, Dizzy, Eagles, Run Pure. There's a lot of people in here who are who are sharps in the community, or at least they know what they're doing, right? They're, they're advanced to this stage while we're doing this draft. So it's very difficult to then kind of take control of the draft. But I'll show you how you can do that when nobody really has control. So you can see right now I have the seventh pick. I was happy to get Joe Mixon there. You'll, you'll notice something interesting. Devontae Adams falls to the 12th pick in the first round. I could have taken Adams here, but I have right now running backs much more prioritized. And you can see when running backs start to go off the board, what the options I had were Derrick Henry, pretty much Devontae Adams. And that was the only other picks that I would have considered over Joe Mixon. I currently have Mixon one spot higher. He's my RB6. Henry's my RB7. Devontae Adams is my wide receiver one. So um, Michael Thomas and Adams, they're 1A, 1B. They're in the same tier for me. I don't care which one that you think is your number one. I, I can make arguments for both sides of it, right? But I ended up passing on a receiver here because I just knew, I knew that there was going to be no running backs uh, left on my next turn or really by the third round because that's what's happening. And when you're in a league with a lot of smart and sophisticated people in the fantasy community, they're going to be doing the exact same thing, or at least that's what I thought. So you can see that I get mixed in. And I believe that this is a, a 10 man league. It's not a 12 man league. So I misspoke, but Devonte Adams and Miles Sanders go at the turn to Matt Jeski. So that's a very good spot to get them. I get back around here and this is where I, I really never want to make this decision, but I have to, I normally want to take back to back running backs. 
I have already Joe Mixon. What's left on the board is Kenyon Drake, Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubb, and Aaron Jones at running back. Nick Chubb fell so, so far. Um, I end up snagging Julio Jones here. I have Julio Jones ranked right ahead of Nick Chubb in my overall top 150 at the time of recording this mock draft. And at the same time, I've been taking a lot of back-to-back running backs. So I kind of wanted to see a strategy of what happens when you take a, a stud receiver with a stud running back. So I could have started with Mixon and Chubb, and that would have been obviously fantastic. I could have started with Mixon and Josh Jacobs, whichever one that you wanted to. At that point, I would have been taking Chubb, but I ended up taking Julio here and I don't go away from my strategy, right? Two running backs in your first three picks. So I'm not yet broken from my strategy, but the early round strategy gets broken in my next pick. With the 27th overall pick in the third round, I select Allen Robinson, who's a top 10 wide receiver for me. And I'm looking at the board, right? And I get sniped. I write down here, I have a couple of lists of spots where I get sniped. And the first spot that I get sniped pretty much is right here at pick 27 in the third round. I wanted to take a running back. My strategy is two running backs in your first three picks. That's my early round draft strategy right now. And I'm looking at the board, right? I'm looking at the board a couple of picks before my Jonathan Taylor is still on the board. Maybe a little bit early for him. Clyde Edwards Lair, right? These rookies, they're starting to go in the third to fifth round, maybe a little bit early, but Todd Gurley's still there. Leonard Fournette, guys that I have some interest in. They all go off the board with four straight picks. So I get sniped at not one specific player, but just these running backs that I had interest in. So what's left on the board is guys like Chris Carson, Le'Veon Bell, Melvin Gordon. I'm interested in all these players for sure. But then I look and I see Alan Rob. Robinson is still there. Kenny Galladay was still on the board. These are guys that I have as top eight wide receivers. I have Kenny Galladay as my my number eight, I believe. I have Allen Robinson as my number nine right there. In this specific draft, I was higher on Allen Robinson. So I went and I chose Allen Robinson. This is also a best ball draft. So you're trying to get ceiling performances. Also consistency, of course, but the more consistency plus ceiling combos that you can get, the better. I chose Allen Robinson there. Robinson and Kenny Galladay at the time of this draft were very much a toss-up for me. Since then, I've moved up Kenny Galladay to my wide receiver six, and I have Allen Robinson as my wide receiver eight. So what I'm hoping for now is that Chris Carson falls because I have Chris Carson. I'm the highest on him compared to Le'Veon Bell and Melvin Gordon. So Chris Carson does not fall. Odell goes off the board, but it comes back around to my turn. And look, I've already taken two wide receivers. I only have one running back. I got to get a running back here, right? No, I end up getting Kenny Galladay because he's a top eight wide receiver. And like I said, a top six wide receiver for me now. And he was somehow still left on the board in the fourth round. I mean, this league was extremely smart. Six running backs per round went off the board in the first three rounds. So I'm sitting here like a sitting duck, right? I only got one running back, Joe Mixon. I now have three receivers on my team. I believe I'm the only one who has now started with a one running back, three wide receiver set. So I'm kind of in my own lane in that regard, but the draft is starting to slip away from me. So I decided to try and take control back of this draft. So with the field going heavy running backs in the first three rounds, that means that they're eventually going to have to load up on wide receivers. Some people always like to take tight ends. You saw Travis Kelsey go to John Daigle from Roto World at the ninth pick in the first round overall. That makes more sense in best ball formats because if you can win your position each week, you're advancing very highly. So I decided in my head to go, you know what, I'm just going to win my position. If I'm going to be kind of duking it out with a bunch of people with an RB1 and Joe Mixon, and then a bunch of RB2s that they probably have a better RB2 than me at this point. I mean, you have guys like Eagles having Nick Chubb and Saquon. You have uh, DG Cooper, the first pick in the draft with McCaffrey and Aaron Jones. My RB2 at this point in the fourth round of, of Le'Veon Bell or DeAndre Swift is likely not going to beat out theirs in a consistent manner, but my, my wide receiver threes and my wide receiver fours are going to beat out their top wide receivers in a lot of weeks if I indeed take a strategy to just draft a ton of wide receivers. So that's exactly what I do. So I start with Joe Mixon and three wide receivers and this, the turn comes back around and I'm looking at the board and I see David Montgomery, I see James Conner, and then just a bunch of dusty old running backs. I'm not high on James Conner. I'm, I'm starting to warm up to David Montgomery, but I see Stefan Diggs there. I wanted Robert Woods. He goes to pick before me. That was the second spot in this draft that I ended up getting sniped, but I ended up going to Stefan Diggs. And now in my first five picks, I got four receivers and one running backs. So that is not my strategy usually at all, but let me explain to you why I did it. And I kind of already hinted at it, but I did it because the board was getting out of control and nobody really had control of this draft. Taking four wide receivers in a row is some a move that nobody had done in this draft and nobody really ended up instituting it until Dizzy did from the seventh to 11th rounds where he took five wide receivers in a row. The ability to take four wide receivers in a row ends up making it so that I don't need wide receivers for a while now. In the middle rounds when people aren't starting to take some of those value running backs that are left on the board, 
I can snag them. When people start to peck off a tight end or a quarterback and I wait to the later rounds, I can start to snag more wide receivers and running backs. And then in those later rounds, when everybody's loading up on a dusty old running backs that don't matter anymore, wide receivers that are wide receiver threes that might have wide receiver two upside, I can go out there and get a starting quarterback still. So it's just a situation where I wanted to take control of the draft. I wanted to make a run that forced people to take more wide receivers. You can see in the fourth round, you had eight wide receivers going 10 picks. You can see in the seventh round, you had seven wide receivers going 10 picks. That normally does not happen. You'll see a run of wide receivers, but not to that wild extent. I mean, a 70 to 80% wide receiver clip. So I do believe that kind of shifting the strategy, taking control of it by getting a lot of wide receivers there changed the draft for a lot of people. I ended up literally getting three wide receiver ones on my team. Julio, Allen Robinson, and Kenny Galladay are all top eight wide receivers for me. And then I got Stefan Diggs, who I'm higher on than the consensus. I have him as a top 15 wide receiver. Consensus has him right around the 20 to 25 range. So I ended up, in my opinion, getting three top one wide receivers, tier ones, a tier one running back. And then my my fourth wide receiver ended up being still for me a top 15 guy. So I like my start, although I did not have running back depth at that point. And I was not going to draft a quarterback or tight end until later. That's my late round strategy. I enjoyed where I was in this draft. So it wasn't until the sixth round that I took another running back and that ended up being Devin Singletary. I was happy to see him on the board, actually. My only other options at that point were like Raheem Mostart, on Johnson, Zakeeshawn Vaughn's, all those guys. So it was very easily a Devin Singletary choice for me. I'm much lower on Devin Singletary than most people, but getting him in the sixth round as your RB2, when you already have a clear uh, a set set of wide receivers, this was a three wide receiver league, and you have a clear set flex option, likely with Stefan Diggs or Galladay or whoever it is, I feel okay having Devin Singletary as my RB2. This league was pretty smart, not taking quarterbacks or tight ends all that early, but still, I mean, starting in round one until you saw Kittle and Kelsey go because of the best ball format, and then you started to see quarterbacks go starting in round four. From round four on, at least one quarterback and one tight end started to get taken in pretty much every single round. And what I saw this as was that I would have the ability then in probably the 10th to 12 rounds to still land a starting quarterback and a starting tight end and maybe multiple of them because there's only 10 people in this draft. And if every single round starting at round four, people are taking them, they're likely not going to be taking their backups in round 10 and 11. They'll wait till the final rounds of the draft to start to take their backups. So I'll start to scroll now to where the top of the board is going to be uh, round six for me, where my last pick was Devin Singletary. And now it starts to get to a situation where I kind of know based on the way that the board is going and you have to read the room without a doubt, you have to be able to read your draft room. Is it going to be a bunch of experts? Can you wait on quarterback and successfully get a good quarterback and tight end? Can you snag three running backs in a row and be set for that. Do you have to go two running backs early? Whatever it might be. What is the what is the board doing? What is the rest of the room doing? Don't just be focused on your next pick. Be focused on what is happening in the draft room in general. Be focused on what experts might be in the draft room or what their tendencies are because it can help you out a ton. Before I keep analyzing this draft to a fine point, please do hit the subscribe button. Big old one's about to pop up on the screen. Thank you so much. And get into the Discord. If you want to get into some of these mock drafts with me, the best way to do so is getting into the Discord for free. It's just a group texting app, a group chatting app. There's a bunch of people in there. I'll post a link to the mock drafts in there, but we'll also be talking football and fantasy football. Let's get back to the mock. At the end of the day, you want to be able to have control of the draft in one way or another. And if it means pivoting to a different strategy, like taking a bunch of wide receivers so that you force the hand of your league mates, that's one way to get control of the draft. You're building a unique team that has a lot of upside. And then later on in the draft, you're able to get the pieces that you want that others won't be able to go for because they need to load up on other receivers before there's just nothing left on the board. So I literally loaded up on running backs and wide receivers with my first nine picks and five of my first seven picks were wide receivers. And in, in, in a league where there's so much wide receiver depth this year and not a lot, a lot of running backs, that's an, a bold strategy, but it was just a pivot point that I felt I had to make. So it wasn't until the 10th round where I was able to take Caden Hurst. And like I said, no real tight ends started to come off the board. There was only six tight ends, I believe, coming off the board before the ninth round, but then tight ends started to fly off the board pretty quickly. I got ahead 
ahead of the poll by getting Hayden Hurst at pick 94 overall in the 10th round. I took him ahead of guys like Jared Cook, Austin Hooper, Hunter Henry, Mike Gusecki. I have Hayden Hurst much higher. He's my tight end eight for this season. He's right behind Tyler Higby, who went off the board a couple of picks before him. So I was happy with getting Hayden Hurst at that point. And then I was able to just absolutely crush it with the best ball format in terms of stacking my team. I got Julio Jones with my second pick. I got Hayden Hurst with my 10th pick, both from Atlanta. And then Matt Ryan was able to fall to me in the 11th round overall at pick 107. So I have a stack. And if you're not familiar with stacking, it just means getting players from the same team, a quarterback plus a couple of pass catchers, because if that team in general just does well that year, if Matt Ryan throws for 5,000 yards this year, you better believe that Hayden Hurst, you better believe that Julio Jones, barring injury, are going to have really strong seasons. If Matty Ice is going for 35 touchdowns and 4,500 to 5,000 yards, those guys are going to benefit from it without question. They are two of the top three receiving options on their team, Julio likely being number one, Hayden Hurst three behind Calvin Ridley is how I would have it right now. But that just means that you have to get less right in general. So if one player goes off, it likely means three are going off. You're correlating their outcomes, right? Instead of having to hope that three one-off players from different teams are going off. It's just easier to get things right. It's easier to then win at that point. It is called correlation. A couple of rounds pass. I snag guys that I'm very high on in terms of Anthony Miller in the 12th round. I get Justin Jefferson, the rookie wide receiver. He's my highest ranked rookie wide receiver. I end up getting him in the 13th round. I believe other rookies like Jerry Judy already came off the board before I took Jefferson. I'm currently highest on Justin Jefferson out of all the rookies in terms of PPR rankings. And then Matthew Stafford, I get in the 14th round. And oh, oh, baby. I felt good about this one because I got Kenny Galladay, right? I somehow got Kenny Galladay with my fourth pick. He's honestly a borderline second or third round pick for me. And then I'm able to correlate him with Matthew Stafford. And I literally got Matthew Stafford in the 14th round. I have Matthew Stafford as my 12th ranked quarterback right now. I have Matt Ryan as a top 10 quarterback. So I got two top 12 quarterbacks starting in round 11 by round 14. That's why you can wait on quarterbacks, whatever the league is. This was a sharp league. So everybody started to wait on quarterbacks. Like there was only two quarterbacks off the board until I think it was round six, only three quarterbacks off the board until it was round eight. So it was a sharp league in that format. So there's a lot of quarterbacks left at the end of the day, but just in general, you can wait on quarterbacks and still get good ones, even in a two quarterback league. And let, let me just round out the rest of my draft for you. I took Singletary in the sixth. I took Will Fuller here in the seventh. I like that upside again. That made it five wide receivers taken in my first seven picks. And then I really like this part of the draft right here. This was probably one of my favorite parts. I'm high on Darius guys this year higher than consensus not like a top 10 back but I have him as a top 30 back and I like James White this year because I think all the Patriots are being undervalued who knows what Jared Stidham is even if he's the the worst quarterback in the league you're currently getting a James White at probably a bad season ADP if James White is normal James White he's probably going a couple rounds too late I like the fact that I was able to get my RB3 and RB4 in this range and I normally don't think I would be able to get these guys in this range but the fact that everybody took a ton of a ton of running backs early RB2s and threes early opened the window to take back-to-back running backs in these later rounds I think I was one of two people who took back-to-back running backs in the later rounds. The other one being right here, but the second pick in the draft was Eagles. He ends up getting carry on and Matt Breida, not a terrible combo, but I ended up getting Geis and White, which I think has a lot of stability in terms of White, but also ceiling in terms of Geis and White. When you go wide receiver early, you know that there's not going to be people going back-to-back running backs later in the draft. If you implement that strategy properly, it can land you with two viable wide receiver threes and wide receiver fours that have the upside in Geis's favor to be our RB1, and both of them definitely have RB2 upside. I get Hurst in the 10th round, and then I end up getting my quarterbacks. We talked about Anthony Miller and Jefferson. I finish out my draft by going Joshua Kelly, Jay Sternberger, Anthony McFarland, and then I get Antonio Brown. Why not take Antonio Brown in the 18th round, right? If he ends up signing with a team, he's then a borderline like wide receiver two to three instantly for you. And he's probably a top 10 round pick uh, instead of being a an 18th round pick. So uh, I think that's something that's interesting to do just later in your draft, take flyers on these guys, because literally a report could come out today that Antonio Brown signs with the Packers and he basically becomes a, a top 25 wide receiver overnight. So where I went wrong overall. So I think that in the second round, you can argue that I shouldn't have taken Julio here. And I should have just 
push the button on Nick Chubb. I have Julio as my wide receiver three right now. I have Nick Chubb as my like running back eight or nine, I believe. So like in terms of rankings by position, Julio was no brainer. In terms of positional scarcity, um, I believe that Nick Chubb, even Kenyon Drake or Josh Jacobs, there's an argument for them. But we went Julio. We tried to see what that strategy was. And it allowed me to open up a new perspective of what happens when you just take a bunch of wide receivers in a row. And then the obvious one was just getting Devin Singletary in the sixth round as my RB2, when I clearly could have had Nick Chubb as my RB2 looking back on it. And then like the, the downside to that is I still get Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, and Stefan Diggs. And at this point, I end up having a combo of Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, if the board plays the exact same way, Steph Diggs, and I could probably still get Singletary. So you're just flipping out that. Um, I think that that was the obvious mistake, if anything, but I think it's also just a, a way to pivot at different strategies. That's what you should be using mock drafts for, test out different things. So it's definitely not maybe a mistake, but if this was my actual draft, I would have much rather probably had Nick Chubb than Julio Jones with my second pick. Where I was happy, I was probably the most happy, like I talked about getting Darius Geis and James White as my RB3s and fours in back-to-back picks. You rarely see people going back-to-back running backs in these rounds because there's just not a lot left. Like, I mean, carry is pretty much a backup right now for Eagles. Uh, well, not a backup, but a 50-50 split, I would assume. Same thing for Matt Breida. I have right here, similar guys, but I think they're more of the commanding guys in both of their backfields. Whereas these guys, maybe Matt Breida will command more, but coming into the season, they look to be on, on the edge out, if anything. I was very happy with getting Hayden Hurst in the 10th. Uh, you could start to see tight ends came off the board right here. Towards the end of the 10th, beginning of the 11th, four out of five picks were tight ends. Hurst would not have made it back around to me, I guarantee it at that point, uh, with my 11th round pick. So I was happy to shoot the trigger where I did on him. And I was really, really happy in the 17th round to get Anthony McFarlane, running back for the Steelers. I think Anthony McFarlane right here is going to end up being um, a very, very sneaky play in general for a lot of drafts this year. I think that he's going to be a late round pick that you want. I think that either Benny Snell and or Jalen Samuels will get cut, likely Samuels, but Snell couldn't as well. They don't owe him a ton of money. And then I think Anthony McFarlane him. James Conner injured in front of you. James Conner nowhere near as athletic and gifted as Anthony McFarlane. I think McFarlane can really step in. So just for fun, I want to tell you where I was sniped in this draft. So just looking at where I was sniped, I have a couple of spots written down. In round three, I was sniped. So I ended up wanting one of these four running backs, or I would have probably taken Gurley here. Maybe I would have considered Leonard Fournette. I ended up taking Allen Robinson. Not terrible, but I got sniped of Gurley a couple of picks before me. The exact pick before me here, I ended up getting sniped. I would have taken Robert Woods with my fourth wide receiver pick, and then I would have been really happy. I ended up getting Steph Diggs instead. And then my final spot where I was sniped, it wasn't really a full on snipe, but it's a spot worth mentioning for this recap video. I already had my starting tight end. I'm very high on Chris Herndon. If he just is healthy and not suspended this year, he should do really good things in that Jets offense where they really don't have a wide receiver one. Like Crowder in the slots, they're wide receiver one, but that opens up a lot of potential. That means, especially in the red zone where Crowder saw 30% targets for the bigger bodied Chris Herndon. And I knew Matt Jajewski was very interested in him, but I was hoping he wouldn't take him with that pick in the 15th round, given that he just took Ian Thomas a round and a half before. But he does four picks before me take Chris Herndon, which then forces me in the 16th round to take Jay Sternberger, who is the Packers tight end. And I like Sternberger. I have upside there. It's it's the it's the hidden commodities that I like the most in these late round picks. Like I could have taken a backup tight end, like OJ Howard goes off the board or whoever is on the board at that point, Greg Olson, whoever ended up being left. But why not take the guy who has upside? You know what you're getting out of Greg Olson, OJ Howard, right? Uh, probably somewhat of a capped production and ceiling. Whereas Jay Sternberger, there could be the upside for a eight touchdown season. And you have no idea at this point because he just, he has these athletic gifts. The best tight end would have been likely in this draft if he came out a year later and you're getting him in the 16th round. So I, I did like that. If anything, I was sniped there, but I was also happy that I ended up with one of Chris Herndon and Jay Sternberger. I'm going to be really targeting Herndon, Sternberger, and Ian Thomas as my backup tight ends this year, as my tight end twos. Lots of the times, if you have a deep bench, I think you should be taking tight end twos. So once again, the biggest takeaways from this specific mock draft itself, and be sure, hit the big old subscribe button that's about to pop up on the screen. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. Get those free rookie rankings, and my top 150 will also be sent to you uh, fairly quickly. I'm going to be finishing them up and sending them out to people. But the biggest thing for me right now is just to read the room. 
point. Read the room that you're in, play around with these mock drafts, try out different strategies. I think this draft was a very much a success. I think what I learned is that if you go wide receiver early, right after you're running back, I, you still need a running back. You can't go like four wide receivers in a row with no running backs. But if you go wide receivers early, especially in a 10 man league like this one, I got three top 10 wide receivers for my opinions and a, a top 10 running back, borderline top five in my rankings. He's number six. I got those in my first four picks. It allowed me to then take three running backs out of my four picks from round six through nine. In those four picks, I was able to take three running backs, which nobody else in this entire draft did. Start to command the draft board. You start to change the way that the draft is going. You get a bunch of wide receivers in a row. Nobody's doing that, which then means that there's openness now because people start taking a ton of wide receivers, 70% wide receivers in round seven, 80% wide receivers in round four. You don't need wide receivers anymore. It leaves you able to take up and soak up these mid-round running back options. I think right here, Cam Akers went at pick 73. I might've taken Akers over Darius Geis at that point. He's going to pick before me. I don't know if it was a snipe though, because I don't think I was thinking about it in the time, but I really like this idea of, I still think RBs in your first two out of three picks or three RBs in a row is the way to go. But if you don't end up getting there because Julio falls to you, and then you have two more top 10 receivers on the board, and you just want to go after those top end wide receivers, I'm all for it, especially in best ball, because then you still have this opportunity down here when nobody else is drafting two to three running backs in a row, take three out of four picks, you get to soak up that mid round running back value, because after that, it's all backups. It literally becomes all backups. Once you get to round 10, there's nothing on here but backups, Philip Lindsay, uh, Marlon Mack, Zach Moss, Tariq Cohn, Boston Scott, right? So I think that's a nice spot to kind of carve out a little niche of opportunity. So thank you for tuning into this video. This was another mock draft recap. We'll be doing a mock draft later in the week. So be sure to tune in for that. I'll be posting a link in the discord, which is free down below. So be sure to get into that discord as well as on Twitter. Discord people will get first dibs on it. I'll post it in there about an hour earlier. They usually fill almost instantly now. So be sure to get into the discord. It's free to do so. We're talking football. We're talking fantasy football in there. Thank you so much for tuning into this one. Hit the big old subscribe button. Once again, thank you. Hit the notification bell and get the free rookie rankings down in the description. The top 150 will be out soon, as well as my draft guide coming really within the next few weeks. We are fine tuning the website. So stay tuned, buckle up. There's going to be so, so much free content coming out. There's going to be so much content in that draft guide. That's going to help you beat your league mates. Stay tuned, put your shoes back on. You all rock. And I will see you in the next one.